Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's episode is the audio version of a webinar that I did with Matt Halpern of Periphery, I don't know, a year or two ago, on the topic of how to get press coverage for your work. So if you want people who write for magazines or websites or do YouTube channels or whatever to notice you and talk about you on their properties, then we will explain exactly how to do that in this podcast. Before we get into it, a couple things you can do to support the show if you would like to. Number one, share it on social media, tag me, tag the guest, it helps a lot. Number two, you can buy some merch. I've got some coffee cups, a cool new deathcore shirt, and some other stuff that I just added to the store. There's a link to that in the show notes. Number three, if you really, really like us, you can support us on Patreon. You'll get every podcast a week early. There's a members only Discord server. I do giveaways, Q and A's. Uh, there's a way to have me review your music or video or anything else you would like to get my eyes or ears on. So if that sounds cool, you can check that out at the link in the show notes as well. Many of you ask about this. So how do I get coverage in you know blogs, uh, on in magazines, on all these websites I read? How do I get influencers to talk about me? This is a very common topic, and it seems like just like a, a, a black box. It seems like just this weird, like impenetrable thing that, you, you, you know, how do I get into this system? How do I get these people to pay attention to me and to write about me, to post about me? How do I get on their radar? And the answer is that it's actually very simple. Now, that's not to say that it's easy necessarily. It does take some work, and we're going to tell you what those those steps are, but it's not very complicated. Once you understand the way the machine works, it's actually pretty straightforward how to become part of it. You know, for some of us, you know, people like Matt and some of our friends, it's as easy as just sending a text to the right person to say, hey, man, we're doing this. I would love it if you could do a post about it, and they'll say, Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely do something. You know, hang on a minute and I'll let you know if I have any questions. So that's a pretty great place to be. And the good news is that there is no reason why it can't be as easy as that for any of you guys. And we are going to explain how that can happen. So before we get into the things that you should do, we are first going to tell you some don'ts, some things that you do not want to do when you are trying to get media coverage for your work. Yes. So here are some absolutely do not do's or don'ts for you guys. Uh, and this is stuff that we see all the time. So, um, you know, we see people making these mistakes. So we don't want you guys to do that. So I'm going to go through these and then we will dig into the positives of what you should do. So first off, um, something that you should absolutely not do is send email blasts to Anybody who did not ask for an email blast, not only is this very annoying and it just like crams up people's email inboxes, but it is also illegal to do this. So just 
stay away from it completely. Do not do this at all. Um, only get in touch with people that you know personally. And in that regard, we'll touch on this more. If you are going to reach out to someone, make sure that it is a thoughtful, genuine email uh, that you put some time into, not just a spammed email blast that you know has no regard for um, anybody's uh, feelings or thoughts or you know any respect for them. So keep that in mind. Uh, also, we would say do not message random people on Facebook, specifically on Facebook. It just it's not really going to go anywhere. There are so many filters on Facebook. And if you don't know somebody and if you're not friends with somebody, um, you know, directly, then they're likely not going to see your message. And secondly, again, it's just, excuse me, very spammy. Uh, and it can be very annoying to get messages saying, hey, look at this shit that I'm doing. Look at my stuff. Pay attention to me. It's just not very smart or cool. And there, uh, there's something about Facebook in particular that feels very personal. It's kind of yeah. like texting somebody that you don't know. Like you wouldn't do that. And you shouldn't you shouldn't message anyone on Facebook that you wouldn't text. And there's, you know, Twitter or Instagram or something like that. I think it's a different deal. But just specifically, Facebook is, uh, in our opinion, off limits. Yeah, a lot of people even use their their like their messenger for Facebook as like their main uh, like resource for texting. So it, I agree with you, Finn. It's it's definitely a little bit more personal. So see, steer clear of that if you can. Um, also, <clears throat> if you're involved in any Facebook groups, uh, don't do any spammy posts or braggy posts or posts asking people to pay attention to what you're doing. If you are not an active member in that group, if you are only there to spam people, you're probably going to get flagged and you're probably going to get banned. Um, so, you know, the, the, the key thing to note there is that if you're going to post in a Facebook group, make sure that you are involved um, actively as a member in that group in a lot of different conversations and a lot of threads contribute way more than just trying to get people to look at what you're doing. Um, it's just, it's pretty gauche to do that. And, you know, like I said, Ooh, you're probably there's get, a, a $10 word. I like it. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> you're so you probably going to get, you guys came here for a marketing lesson and you got a vocabulary lesson. Wow. Yeah. If you're That's curious value. about if you're curious about the word gauche, uh, you can look it up. It's G-A-U-C-H-E. I'm pretty sure it's spelled. So look that up uh, if you're looking for some new new uh, words for your vocabulary. Um, and then, look, in general, just don't spam people anywhere. It's, it's the worst when you see people on your feed just spamming the shit out of whatever it is you're trying to promote. And all of you guys have seen this stuff. You all can recognize the annoying shit that other people do in the groups you're in, on your own personal feeds. So bottom line is just don't do it. It will burn your relationships. It will annoy people. People will unfollow you. People may try to flag you, ban you, um, you know, report your posts as spam. And that is not good if you are trying to promote your service, your business, your product, whatever it may be. So just make sure you do it the right way. So that is the, those are the main don'ts that, that we want you to avoid. However, let's now, uh, dig into the steps that will help you get coverage. Uh, and these are the things that you should do. So we're going to go over four main things that you can do. I'll give you the brief rundown and then we'll dig into each one of these, uh, more in depth. So the first one is to be newsworthy. Okay. So have something that is actually relevant and awesome to talk about. Secondly is uh, do your best to build and have relationships with the appropriate media outlets or work with a publicity person who does have those relationships. Uh, if you are really looking to get involved with a specific 
blog or media outlet, then it might be a good idea for you to invest and buy some ads. So that's the third thing that we'll discuss. And then finally, if you are going to do cold outreach to anyone, if you're going to send messages or emails to anyone at all, make sure that that outreach is thoughtful. So we will dig into the specifics of that as well. So let's get right into it. So the first one is being newsworthy. And this is pretty much, you know, the, the end all be all uh, main thing that you want to be when you are promoting your service or your product or your business. And this is a, a showstopper. You literally won't be able to get coverage without it. So if you guys remember um, a few webinars back, we really dug into positioning yourself and you know figuring out what makes you special, what makes your service special, um, coming up with your creative fingerprint. Um, so in, in that webinar, we asked the question and we posed for you guys to ask yourselves the question, why would anybody give a fuck about what you do? Well, this is the same question you should think about um, in terms of a media outlet. Why would someone or why would a media outlet write about what you're doing what is the hook what is you know what is special about what you're doing how are you separating yourself from other people that are out there in order to not only have a great service or product but to get the coverage for that product um, so you know you might have something that is an obvious game changer and for example you know one of the things that we discuss is, is like a beer mug that pours itself if you have something like that um, then you're probably good but for the most part, um, usually what we have, you know, isn't that special. So we have to figure out a way to add a hook to it. Um, so take, for example, let's say you were, um, you're marketing a new bicycle, right? Uh, a boutique bicycle. Um, if you just put out a video that said, hey, you know, I'm mad and here's my new boutique bicycle. Check it out. It's awesome. And you can ride it and get exercise and, you know, you'll look good doing it. That's probably not going to get any coverage. However, if you were to do the same video, but in the video you had like a bunch of Oompa Loompas and some dance, dancing clowns and you got the president of the United States uh, impersonator or an Elvis impersonator or some other kind of like gimmicky hook, you could be newsworthy. And in that regard, you know, that may seem cheesy, those, those points, but it's about coming up with something that's creative, that's different, that is going to catch people's eye, that's going to catch people's attention. You really don't have that much time to grab people when they're looking through their feeds or when they're even reading on, on different media sites. So you want to do something that is really going to be funny uh, or scary or special or appeals to those human emotions that, that will help grab people's attention. Um, so Finn, I know when you were working specifically with Creative Live, um, there were some some guests that you work with that really help with that. Can you talk about that as like a, a hack for a second? Yeah. So one of the easiest ways to be noteworthy or to be newsworthy rather is to involve someone who is consistently newsworthy. So there's some people where if you just say, you know, so-and-so is attached to this project, that is enough to get coverage. That's enough to make it cut through the noise. I use that a lot uh, at Creative Live. So if anybody is unfamiliar, Creative Live uh, is a uh, online education platform for, you know, for photographers, essentially. And, and I was working on the audio classes there. So we had a few classes that were very good. Like I was really excited about the content, but I was worried that just, you know, based on the class itself, that we're going to have a hard time getting anybody to write about this stuff because it's, you know, 
Some people are not super well-known teaching a fairly nerdy topic, but I wanted to get the word out about this because I was really excited about the content. I knew it's stuff that people needed to learn, but how do we get people to care? How do we get people to cut? How do we cut through the noise and make this newsworthy? Well, what I did was I just reached out to some people I knew uh, in some successful bands and had them appear in the class as guests. Uh, I got like Doc from God Forbid and Aaron from Intervals in, in, in a couple of these, you know, just paid them a little bit of money. They didn't have to do anything other than show up and hold a guitar and play some stuff. But now instead of, you know, uh, I don't remember what the class was, but, you know, instead of class X, you know, on its own, now it's class X featuring Doc from God Forbid and Aaron from Intervals. And now instantly you can see, like, look at, look, you know, imagine that as a headline, right? Just having those two people attached to it instantly makes it more newsworthy. And, you know, I paid them a couple hundred bucks each. It wasn't a ton of money, but they didn't have to do anything for it. And uh, I got what I wanted. They got what they wanted. And now we are newsworthy. So the point here is with all this stuff to, like, take what you have, find a way. You don't you don't want to make it a gimmick necessarily, but find a way to add that twist to whatever you're doing so that it makes people go, hmm. Well, that, that sounds interesting. Like, how do you make it newsworthy? And then the second piece of this is all about relationships. So, you know, if you've watched any of our webinars, watched any of our videos before, you know that we're always talking about how valuable relationships are. And that is because what makes shit happen in our world and the creative world is relationships with other human beings. And this is very, very, very true in regards to media outreach. So as you can imagine, anybody that has a media outlet gets hit up constantly by people who want to take advantage of that outlet, right? So if you have a popular blog or YouTube channel or something like that, every two fucking seconds, there's somebody saying, hey, here's my stupid fucking band. Will you write about us? And how are they going to choose which ones to ignore and which ones to pay attention to? It's going to be because of relationships. That is the way that this is going to happen because they know that there's a certain number of people in their network that they can trust. And when these people hit them up, they know that the pitch they're going to get is at least worth strongly considering because this person doesn't bring them bullshit. So with that in mind, this is super key. So if the thing that you have is newsworthy, you've got to have relationships with the right media outlets like sending out a press release on its own does not do shit nobody read i mean maybe they'll read a couple of them but basically nobody reads those things if you are any kind of, you know I, I don't write about music anymore but i did for years and if you have any kind of a media platform people will get your email address and you're going to get literally hundreds of press releases a day so you're not going to really pay attention to any of those but if one of my friends texts me and says hey, you got to check this out. That's what I'm going to pay attention to. So that's what you need to think about is like, do you already have any of the, these relationships? If so, then you're probably good. But if you don't, then you basically have two options. You you know, as, as you might imagine, it takes years to build a network like this. So you can either, you know, if you haven't started already, then you should be starting now, even if you don't think you need media coverage, like starting now and building these relationships when you don't you know, want something from these people is the key to being able to activate those relationships in the future. Or if you don't have those relationships and you don't think you're going to be able to build them in time, then you want to hire somebody who does have those relationships. And that's going to be a PR firm. So 
the the thing with PR firms is that the uh, one the PR firms that are both good and affordable are very hard to find. There's lots of PR firms that are affordable but bad, uh, and there's lots of PR firms that are really good but really expensive. And by really expensive, I mean like ten thousand dollars a month, like really really expensive. PR is extremely expensive at 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 any at even like the medium level. It gets very expensive. Uh, and then the, the, the cheap ones, you know, that are like, you know, they're $200 like, yeah, it's $200, you know, per project. Well, what they're going to do is send out a press release, you know, to their mailing list or some crap like PR newswire that, you know, might as well just be like flushing that press release down the toilet because nobody's going to see it and nobody's going to care about it. It's a waste of your money. What you want is somebody that understands your project and if you talk to them about it and you go, well, here's what we're doing. Where do you think we could, you know, wh- what outlets do you think would be a fit for this? And they'll think about it for a minute and they'll go, hmm, well, how about this place, this place and this place? Uh, I-, I know the guys that run this place and this place. A friend of mine knows the woman who runs that one. So I can't promise anything, but I, I think they'll be receptive. That's what you want is somebody that understands that, you know, the, the work is in the follow up. You send out the press release. Yes. But what makes it happen is that they follow up on that release to get people to actually, you know, do the coverage. So, I what 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 I had to do at Creative Live was go through several different firms, try them out for like a month or two at a time, and that is quite time consuming. So as you can imagine, you know, it took me I think maybe six or nine months or so to find the right one. It was these guys named Fresno Media that unfortunately um, are that unfortunately they're not a company anymore. But I paid them a couple thousand dollars a month. Uh, and worked with them for like a year and a half, and they just fucking nailed it because they totally understood what we were doing, and they had relationships with the outlets that were fit for us, and I just consistently got coverage in all the right places with those guys. So that's what you're going to want if you're really serious about this. It is an investment of both time and money to hire the right publicist, or you can invest the time to build those relationships on your own, but either way, the relationships have to be there. For sure, Finn. And if, uh, if if you want to do this yourself and you are also investing the time, something else you can do along with that is to invest some money. Uh, so here's what we mean by this. So we suggest that if you're looking to get coverage from a certain media outlet, um, all of them offer ad buys, uh, the, the opportunity for you to buy ads that will be shown on their uh, website or, you know, in whatever kind of medium they, they put their stuff out through. So um, with that being said, you don't have to do this, but if you are serious about getting coverage, it's something that we would highly recommend because it's a great way to start building a good business relationship with that media outlet. And even something as small as like a hundred dollar ad buy that, you know, it, it's not going to get you a ton, a ton, a ton of coverage or a ton of ad space, but it's going to allow you to start building the relationship with the people that actually work for that media outlet. And it will show them that you are serious about working together for your project. Um, and you know, once you start to build that connection, once you go back and forth a bit and you handle yourself hopefully professionally, you know, you'll you'll start to build that trust. And at some point, a good question to ask them will be, okay, you know, thank you for you know accepting my ad buy. I'm glad we could do business together. Um, if I wanted to submit some news to you guys about this. What is the best way to go about that? You know, don't blatantly say to them, hey, now that I made an ad buy, can you cover my shit? That's, again, go back to that word, that's pretty gauche and you don't wanna do that. 
Um, but Matt's on if, a vocabulary roll today. I love it. I know. I just, I love that word. I keep, you know, it's funny. Uh, Mark Holcomb from my band uses that word a lot. And I just, I don't know, it's stuck in my head today for some reason, but it's, it's a good word for this. Um, but seriously, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty lame if you spend some money and then follow that up with like, Hey, by the way, like, you know, uh, can, can you cover me now that I bought this? Because that's not the goal. The goal is to build a long-term relationship, um, and continue to invest, hopefully create a relationship where you both continue to invest in each other. Um, and by asking, uh, you know, or rather by buying some ads and hoping that you can build that relationship and then get coverage, none of that is shady. It's business. You know, you're asking them to help you with coverage at some point. So shouldn't you put your best foot forward with them too and help them with an ad spend? It makes sense. It's a nice symbiotic relation that way. So again, you know, um, don't ask ever if the ads will guarantee coverage. It's tacky. Um, you know, and, and at that point, you know, you're going to feel kind of stupid when they just keep taking your money. Um, and, uh, they don't want to work with you because you've totally annoyed them and they've seen through exactly what you're, what you're trying to do. And that shouldn't be your motivation anyway, as Finn mentioned, and this is something that goes throughout our whole course, building a network and building relationships is the most important thing for yourself as a creative, um, to have a strong network. So that should be the main goal. If you get some coverage in the meantime, that is awesome, but it's really, really good to try to build relationships with these really strong outlets either way, whether you get the coverage or not. And so don't let that turn you off. Um, and as an example, I know, again, going back to what Finn was doing with um, some previous projects, you know, I think, Finn, you did a, a bunch of this where you bought some ads and in turn, um, out of good faith, you got some coverage. Obviously, not everybody covered you. Um, but what was that experience like for you? Yeah, so this is, again, like the exact blueprint I use to get a lot of coverage in every outlet you can think of for the Creative Live stuff. I mean, I know the class that you and I did together was in like Rolling Stone and Billboard and stuff like that. Like every every outlet you can think of, we were there. And a big piece of that is what we were talking about here, which is buying some ads. So what I did was did a, a small ad buy with most of the publications that I wanted coverage in. So you know, somewhere between $100 and $1,000, depending on who it is. And then I would just kind of see what happened. Again, I never asked, hey, if I buy these ads, are you going to cover us? But, you know, some people, you know, it's kind of understood that that's oftentimes how things work. Um, and I just would see what's happening. So some of them I would see, and I don't expect them to cover everything I do, but I want to see just that they're paying attention, that at least they're responsive, and if it is a fit, that they're covering it. So the people who we're covering our stuff. I would continue to invest in their business. You know, as Matt said, like we're investing in each other. I think that's the perfect way to look at it. Um, and then the people who weren't playing ball, the people who weren't ever giving us any coverage, I didn't go, hey, fuck you guys. Like I've been spending all this money and you didn't give us any coverage. Fuck you. I just, you know, would quietly stop giving them money. And if they asked, I'd just say, oh, you know, our, our budget has changed a little bit, you know, but we'll be in touch. And you know, well, you know, maybe it'll be a fit to work together in the future. So that's 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 the key is like if you feel like they're just take you want to feel like there is a relationship building that might not happen instantly. But you want to at least get the feel that there's starting to be a relationship there that may turn into something. And if you don't get that feel, if all they do is take your money and that's it, then my suggestion would be just to stop giving them money. Don't say anything. Don't make a big deal out of it. 
because, you know, then people are going to think you're baby. Just kind of stop giving them money. And so that's what I did for the outlets that, you know, I didn't feel like there was a relationship. Just walk away from it. That's all. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. What about cold outreach? Sure. So uh, as I said before, uh, these relationships are key. And to build a network of relationships, of really tight relationships, takes years. So that's a problem. If you need coverage starting right away, you know you, you may not have those relationships. And you may not have the budget to hire a firm to do it for you. So that leaves you in the situation in which I think most people watching this will find themselves in, which is you are going to need to do that outreach on your own. 
Now, as we said at the beginning, there are a lot of bad ways to do that, which is essentially to be a punisher or a spammer. You don't want to be either of those things. Uh, a punisher might be worse because spammers, like you don't even know who they are, but punishers, man, you remember those people. You remember, man, that guy is always messaging me, trying to get me to check his shit out. And uh, that's not how you want to do it. So what you want to do is thoughtful, cold outreach. So of the people you want to, so, so make a list of the people that you would like to cover your stuff and then put a lot of time and effort into reaching out to them the right way. So what I would recommend you do is that you write a real personal email to them to people who you think may genuinely be interested in what you're doing. Don't ask them to cover what you're doing because they're going to know that's what you want. They'll understand that. But like reach out to them and write them an email. And notice I said email. You could do it by Instagram DM or something like that. But I think email is better um, just because that's sort of emails for business communication. And that's what this is. But Instagram could be okay too or Twitter, whatever. But anyway, reach out to them with a personal message. And the personal message should be, you should write it as though you are writing to a friend to tell them, the, like imagine it's a friend you haven't talked to in a little while and you want to tell them what you're up to. That's the tone you should use. So, And, and real quick, Finn, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but, but make sure that this isn't like a template that you copy and paste to right. everyone. Like really, un, really be either passionate about their specific media outlet or do some research about what they do to figure out, and I'm sure you'll talk about this, Finn, you know, if you have common interests, but really make it personal. Don't just like copy and paste the same thing to a bunch of people. Take the time to write a personal message. Yeah, so let's say that I was trying to get somebody to cover the class that we are doing. Uh, I would find some people who had covered education in the past, or maybe people that, you know, come from the hardcore scene like I do. So there's some sort of a connection there that, again, I'm, I would think they might genuinely be interested in this because of one of those two things. And I would say, uh, hey, man, uh, I love all the you know coverage you've done about this, that and the other things that are you know similar to what we're doing. Um, you know, su- you know, love the interview you did with so and so like it was amazing, like that you got him to talk about blah, 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 blah. Super inspiring. Anyway, I wanted to send you a link to this thing. Uh, and I thought you might be interested in it because X, Y and Z. And those are, again, not copy and pasted things. These are reasons specifically why I think this person might be interested in what we're doing. Um, And then say, I'd love to know what you think about it if you get the chance to check it out. Again, I didn't ask them, you know, to write about it. They'll understand what's going on. uh, And that's all you need to do. And, And sometimes you'll be surprised. You might get a reply from these people in like two minutes. Like people do read their emails. It's just like, if it's spam, they're not going to reply. But if it's something they're actually interested in, you'd, you'd be surprised how effective this can be. So um, it's great if you can hire a PR firm, but it's totally possible to do this stuff effectively as long as you do it the right way with thoughtful cold outreach, not being a punisher or a spammer. Definitely. So that's so that's really um, about all there is to it. It's just those four steps. You know, one, make sure you're newsworthy. Two either have relationships or, you know, work with somebody who does. Third, buy some ads to maybe grease the wheels a little bit. And then fourth, uh, depending on, you know, the, the whether you have those relationships or not, do some cold outreach, some thoughtful cold outreach. That's all there is to it. Like I said at the beginning, it seems like the media is this like impenetrable black box. But in reality, this is how it works. It's very simple. 
Um, there's not a lot to it. Uh, it. It is hard to get coverage, I would say, but it's not like it's difficult, but it's not complex. And you don't necessarily have to pay somebody a bunch of money to do it. In fact, I would say more often than not, you will have more success doing thoughtful cold read out, cold outreach than having somebody else do it for you that either doesn't know or doesn't care about your business, which is going to be the case most of the time. These people are just going to send out a press release and kind of call it a day, take your money, and you'll get nothing out of it. I agree with that for sure. So again, just to kind of summarize what we talked about, like the most important thing, and this is where I'd say most people go wrong, is the be newsworthy part. Like that is just so important. Um, you cannot get coverage no matter how much money you spend. Like you cannot get people to care about something that is not inherently interesting. And I've had a lot of really, you know, I've done, I've been on both sides of this media thing for, you know, 10 years or so. I've had some really easy wins where I pushed out the press release and talked to a couple of people and got a ton of coverage for something like effortlessly. And then I've had some total flops where no matter how hard I tried to push the thing, I could not get anybody to cover it because it just was not newsworthy. So really challenge yourself here. If you get this, if you get this part right, um, things are going to go pretty well. If you don't get it right, then it's going to be a brutal uphill battle the whole time. So really challenge yourself to be newsworthy. For sure. And, you know, look, even if you are able to get coverage, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to drive a ton of traffic. But what this really is good for is building your brand and building awareness about what you're doing. And it helps with the other stuff that you're doing to market your product or your service. So, for example, like if, you know, if if your potential customers have or, or your potential audience has seen uh, your name or your brand or has read something about you on some of their favorite sites and some of their favorite media outlets for a while, and then they also see an ad that you're running, they're probably more likely to click it than if they didn't see you at all, you know, on, on those media outlets. So think of this as an opportunity to, to just build awareness for what you're doing and even kind of position the story, position what you deem to be newsworthy um, as an opportunity to, to tell people about you're doing uh, about what you're doing and build your brand rather than specifically just sell. I think that's a that's a really key point here. It's it's just about making people aware of you, um, getting getting the word out there, so that when they do see uh, your ad or when they do get your specific call to action, they're way more likely to feel comfortable about making that transaction or learning more about you because they've seen you more, they know you're legitimate, they know they know you're professional, um, and it's really like I said, it's about that comfort. So just think of it that way. Yeah. Um, and uh, by the way, we're getting close to the end here. So if anybody has a question, uh, drop it in the um, drop it in the comments here and we'll answer it shortly. Um, but yeah, like like Matt was saying, uh, not it, it, it's really about more than just traffic. It's you know about the brand building. And that's especially true. Uh, when it comes to the the quality of the outlets as well. So in any given space, there's a zillion people like blogs and magazines and uh, YouTubers and stuff like that that cover this stuff. And what you'll find is that the 80-20 rule, which maybe you've heard that, you know, that 20% of the thing drives 80% of the results. That is totally true uh, in this space. Like you want to focus on getting coverage from the top, 
you know, three to five outlets in your space. And don't worry about the little ones. The little ones really aren't going to do much for you. Like getting some random blogger that gets 50 people a day reading the site is really not going to do anything for you. So don't worry about that. Focus all your effort on the biggest ones. And then what you'll find, like, first of all, you'll find that those move the needle the most in terms of, you know, brand value and traffic and SEO and all that other stuff. What you'll also find is that the little blogs and the little YouTubers and stuff will pick it up after that because mostly these people essentially feed off of what the big outlets are doing. So, you know, the the number one, two or three outlet covers the thing and then everyone else either just copies and pastes that basically or they have their comments on it like, oh, did you see that, you know, this or that magazine wrote an article about such and such, you know, now we're going to discuss it. So. That's where you should focus your efforts on the focus them on the big dogs and then everything else will fall into place after that. The little ones just don't spend any effort on that because it's not going to do anything for you. All right. Yes, let's let's see if we have any questions here. Um, don't see any. Let me just refresh to make sure I didn't miss anything. All righty. Um so Kyle Collins wants to know, can this help me gain more podcast listeners? Um, if you're talking about our class, yes, absolutely. This is 100% the kind of thing that the class is about. So for podcasts in particular, what we go into in quite a bit of depth is how to use content marketing and social media together to build an audience. Like uh, we, we talk about a strategy in which for every, like let's say you do a video interview with somebody, how you're going to chop that up, we and, and we have a slide that explains exactly what this formula is. You're going to chop that one video interview, that one thing, up into like 10 or 12 different kinds of assets, which you will distribute on all your different social media channels. So out of this one video interview, you're going to get a mess of assets that you can use over the next week, and then you can repost those for months and months and months. So the key to building something like a podcast or a YouTube channel is to just focus on creating as many assets as you can from that one thing and then look at it like you're putting all those in the bank because you're going to repost those for months or maybe even years. Um, again, we go into a lot more detail there kind of about the do's and don'ts and specifically what kind of assets we think you should create. Um, and a podcast is the perfect kind of thing to use for this particular strategy. Yeah, and the... By having guests that are, you know, in and of themselves newsworthy, that's going to make your podcast newsworthy as well. Um, yes. So if you do have some good guests that are providing value, valuable information and sharing good stuff, that really could be enough to help you get the coverage you need, which would then highlight your podcast as a whole rather than a specific episode. So um, that's definitely something to think about as well. Yeah, I mean, um, that's the reason why interview shows are so popular, right, is because me, you know, me on my own, I'm not very newsworthy, but me plus the following guests, well, that's interesting, right? Even though the nature of the conversation might not be any different than what I would have with one of my friends, you know, the name value attached to that just goes a long way. And so that's why you see uh, interview shows being so popular. And, and I've seen a few people struggle with this, like they'll start a podcast with one of their friends where it's me and two of my friends talking about movies or video games or whatever it is. And they're wondering why they don't get traction. Well, the answer is because, with all due respect, you are not newsworthy. It's just if it's just th three people that nobody knows about talking about stuff, 
I think you're going to have a hard time getting anybody interested in that. So what is the twist? What's the hook? Is it, you know, it doesn't have to be guests. It could be something else, like uh, even just the name of it. Like uh, that guy, W. Kamal Bell, has um, like an, a, a podcast with an amazing title, which is Denzel Washington is the best actor of all time, I think it is. Like just that title alone. Now, he's a famous guy, so that helps. But even if he wasn't famous, just like that title alone would be enough for me to look at it in iTunes. Right. So look for that twist. Uh, and yes, the class goes into quite a bit of detail about how you would market something like a podcast. So John uh, McLucas, here's another question. Asked, yeah. if, you, if you reach out to an outlet and get no response, is it too pushy to follow up in three to five business days? Um, Finn, I'm sure you have some insight to this. You know, in, in my experience, I typically give it a week or so for my first follow up because and we do we actually get into this pretty in depth in the in the full course as well. Um, but you know, people get busy, they get bogged down, they are getting inundated all the time with all sorts of messages, all sorts of pitches, um, and you know, let alone the business that, that they're conducting on their own. So, you know, you gotta be a little bit patient, I think, um, and and give yourself and give them a chance to kind of get to what you're doing. Um, however, you know, if it's been, you know, a week, seven days, whatever it may be, and you haven't heard back, then at that point, I don't think it's an issue to ping them again. But as we suggested in one of the previous webinars, have a really, really clear way to set the expectation that you're going to follow up with them. So, John, if you're going to message them at first, um, I would recommend that in the in the very last part of whatever message you send them, let them know that you understand that they are busy, that you understand that they may have a lot coming at them on a daily basis. So in seven days or on this particular date, you can even say a date and time, you're going to set a reminder on your calendar to follow up with them if you haven't heard back from them. And that way you're setting that expectation. And when you do reach out to them, um, you're, you're letting them know that you're actually following through on what you said you were going to do, which is something that I think is, is a good reinforcement um, for, the, for the reach out and follow up as well. So that would be what I recommend. But Finn, do you, do you have any different suggestions there? Uh, I think it depends on, well, first I would draw a distinction between following up on a sales conversation, like a pitch on for a project or something like that, and following up with a media outlet. I think they're slightly different. The main thing to be to me is like how strong is that relationship? If you're doing cold outreach to a media outlet that you don't know at all, I would be very cautious about following up with them at all because it's very easy to be a punisher. Like it makes me want to fucking strangle people when I get a cold email from them, you know, like, hey, will you write about whatever? And then they follow up three days later, just checking if you had a chance to look at my blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I didn't because I'm not interested and I'm not going to look at it. Now it makes me hate you. And that's like cold outreach. Like, so don't bother people. If it's cold outreach and, they're, and they don't reply, I would say let it go. But if it is a relationship that you have, if it's an outlet where you have a relationship, then I think everything Matt said is is right on. Like, definitely follow up if it's somebody that you know. But if it's cold outreach, I would be very careful because it's very easy to become a pest by following up too much. That's a great point. <clears throat> great point, Finn. Um, so, Finn, here's another question. So, Clifton Miles is asking, in today's social media age, is marketing through social media influencers a better value 
than going for traditional advertising through the large channels. And I mean, I would say it really depends as well on who it is and what it is. But do you have any thoughts there, Finn? Well, I think there are two different things. Like it depends what your objective is. So, right. and it depends on the business too. Yeah, uh, I would say that uh, for most businesses, the way so for 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 anybody who doesn't know, um, tip the typical blueprint for uh, influencer marketing is that I would pay somebody either on Instagram or YouTube usually to do a post or a video about my product. Um, so like, uh, you know, you've seen these girls that are like, oh, I love my yummy fit tea. Like this stuff is so good. Hashtag sponsored, you know, like something like that. Um, and then they'll have like an affiliate link in their bio or in the description of the video or something like that. That's the typical. There are other ways to do it, but that's the typical template for how you would do influencer marketing. Um, in my personal experience, and I know other people have different experiences here. In my personal experience, that stuff does not drive a lot of sales directly from that post. You might get some, and, and again, I know other people have had a lot of success with this, um, but it drives a lot of awareness and like it helps brand value. So if I see all the influencers in this space post about this product over the course of a month or two, then that's going to make me really serious. Like, hmm, okay, well, they've got relationships with everybody in this space that I care about. So I guess this thing must be legit. Um, so to me, that's, that's, that's the value of influencers is in brand value. And then if you want to drive sales, then things like Facebook and AdWords are the way to get people to actually buy the thing. So they've, as we talked about with PR, it's kind of the same thing, like PR and influence, like influencers are almost like the new media, really. Um, you build up your brand awareness with that, and then you hit people with ads to actually drive the sale. So in my, in my opinion and experience, usually you want to do both. Um, but you know, every business is different. There's always exceptions, but that that's my, that's my thought. Matt, I know you, you, you've been on kind of the supply side of the influencer marketing thing. A lot of times, what's your experience? Yeah. I mean, again, it really depends. Um, people aren't going to pay attention to an influencer if they can see through it. You know what I mean? Like, if someone comes to me and says, hey, you know, I want to pay you to rep my brand and I know nothing about that brand and I'm not affiliated with it at all and they're just simply trying to buy a name, um, my audience is totally going to see that and they're going to think it's bullshit. Um, so if you are going to work with an influencer, then make sure it's someone who is authentically part of that same market as and kind of like what Finn was saying, like if you see that there are influencers that do work and coincide with that brand and it is working and uh, it is reputable, then I think it's it's a good way to go. Um, but you have to be very, very careful about which influencers you work with. And um, we could probably do a whole course on influencers in and of themselves because it can be very, very hard to manage um working with certain personalities and certain influencers and getting them to do even what they agree to do on paper. And there's just a whole list of things that could happen positively and a bunch of things that could happen negatively. But if you find the right, uh, the right combination of person with authenticity to build brand awareness, and then you follow that up by, uh, by 
you know, running the ads and driving the sales, then yeah, it, it absolutely can work. And I mean, that's stuff that I've personally been a part of. I, I do it for some of my own products, my own services. Um, and Finn and I with some of the businesses that we work on together have seen success in this, in this area. It's just got to be authentic. That would be my yeah. advice. So we've got a couple questions about following up, which is, uh, actually it's, it's interesting to me that people are so, uh, interested in the topic of following up and I get it because it's fucking hard because it's very rare that the first time you reach out to somebody that they reply to you. And that that's true of media outreach. It's true of like job interviews. It's true of when you're working with an influencer and you want them to do something, there's following up is a big part of business. So I'm glad to see that people are curious about this because there is absolutely an art to it. Uh, Matt is great at it. And I would like to think that I'm pretty good at it too. So um, I'm glad to see you guys are interested in this. So the uh, one question here is uh, from Adam Janzi. What about following up once you actually land some media coverage? Is that even a thing? Great question. And yes, you should absolutely follow up to say thank you. Yep. That is a, I, I, I definitely should, I, you know what, I'm going to add that to our presentation because that is such an important point and I'm kicking myself because I didn't think of it. So Adam, Thank you. That is so important. Like, man, if 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 somebody writes an article or, or, or like it doesn't matter what it is in business, like take a second to say thank you, because it goes a long way. And when you don't say thank you, like it makes people feel like you just used them. And guess how that makes your relationship go from from here on out? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Finn, I, wrote, I wrote a note down that we should definitely highlight that as well. Um, so, yeah, Adam, thank you, my man. Um, and thank you for the question as well. Um, Finn, there's another question here, um, that talks about, you know, how I discussed like investing some money to, to yeah. buy an ad. So is there a way to determine the value of an ad depending on the media? And also, do you find that the ads have an impact in and of themselves? Um, so typically when you buy an ad, you will be told kind of, you know, what their numbers are, um, how they value the spend, what you're going to get in return most likely and what their other customers have gotten in return. So you'll be able to kind of get a good understanding of, of what your money is going to get you. Um, but at the end of the day, again, you know, if you don't have something that's going to catch people's attention, it could be a waste of money. Whereas if you have something that is great, you could really capture people and, you know, the ad can just be a nice push, uh, along with that. But, um, I don't know. Does that make sense, Finn? Do you? Yeah. So there, so there are those kind of standard metrics for what, whether it's print or banners on a website or a sponsored post, whatever it is, they'll have some kind of, they'll tell you, well, we think it'll reach this many people and blah, blah, blah. Here's who they are, all that stuff. But actually, this is a good point, which I, I didn't address and should, should include is personally, the way I look at it is I actually don't care how well the ads work because what I'm buying is the relationship. Obviously, if those ads work and drive some traffic and sales, that's great. Um, but I just expect that those are, I'm, I'm basically just giving them money because basically what, so here, here's how it works is what I want from this outlet is media coverage and what they want is to keep the lights on, right? Because it's really hard to make money in media. So I would say, okay, well, we'll both get what we want. I will give you some money to help pay the bills and you will hopefully give me media coverage. And if I get some traffic on top of that, that's a bonus. So that's an important part to this strategy is you don't actually care whether the ads are effective on their own or not. 
because there's other like basically if you want effective ads, you should do Facebook, you know, you should basically just do Facebook and Instagram ads if you if you care just about the effectiveness of the ads. If you are building a relationship, that's a different thing. Yep. So uh, Alvaro Joseph Gonzalez has a different perspective, but Alvaro, here's here's why I disagree with you. He says an ad must be quantifiable. You have to see that your spending is equaling or returning a positive on your ad. Looking at actual conversion is important. That is 100% true if we are talking about direct response ads like the ones on Facebook or Google or YouTube or Instagram or whatever. I want to know that if I spent $100 on this, I made more than $100 in profit back. Otherwise, the ad was not effective. However, I think the equation is different when we're talking about uh, building a buying ads to build a relationship, which I believe will generate brand value. And it's important to look at these things differently. There's basically two kinds of marketing. There's like brand marketing and growth marketing or direct response marketing, whichever word you want to use for it. The the second category, like uh, growth marketing or direct response marketing, you can evaluate with math. It's really simple. Either did you make your money back or not? Brand marketing is a lot more hard, a lot more difficult to value to evaluate because this is all like tricky stuff that you can't really measure. Like goodwill is what they would call it like you know by doing these print ads you're never going to be able to prove that print or tv or anything else direct or, or any of those kind of brand marketing things you'll never be able to prove that those drove any sales but we know that they have value right because everybody does it so there must be value there or else all these brands are stupid and i don't think they're stupid i think there's value there i've done a lot of print advertising and there's definitely value there because it makes people think that you're a big deal when you do print ads people go oh wow those guys are making moves now what is the value of that perception well that's an open question is that worth a thousand dollars is it worth ten thousand a hundred i don't know i mean that's that's the question you need to be asking but the larger point is that I think you need to look at um, direct response advertising differently than you look at brand advertising. Or else, if you try to look at brand advertising the same way you look at direct response advertising, it will appear like a failure all the time when it actually isn't. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. Uh, and it's definitely a great distinction to think about. And and yeah. if you work in marketing, like if you work at a company, you're going to have this conversation a million fucking times with the people, you know, in finance or something like that who are going to say, well, why should we do this? Why should we like, why do people sponsor events? Right. It's the same conversation, sponsoring events or, you know, endorsing a person like someone like Matt, you know, like any of these things, like any of the stuff that isn't like click on an ad and then buy a product. You're going to have to convince the accounting and finance people that it's worth the money. So think about everything that I just said and be prepared for that argument. They're going to say, well, how can you prove that this is going to drive any sales? And you need to tell them, here's why it's worth doing, even though I can't prove that it's going to drive any sales. So I think that covers all the questions, unless I'm missing something. Is there anything else that we missed, Finn? I think that's it. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. 
Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.